The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. W.H. Weiskarper, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiskarper, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches, fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Weiscarver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner program, visit whyscarver.com. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Armchair Politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you're invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too. Sumner 
More with author Kwame Mbalia straight ahead. Did you find that there's there's lots of material out there that that people maybe just aren't as aware of? You you are a hundred percent right, and and I, I tell people this all the time, and that um, where there are so many stories out there, um, and a lot of times, you know, they could be trans, you know, uh, they might've been transcribed, written down. They might not have been, they might've been passed by word of mouth. And there, and so it is, you mentioned the, the, the breadcrumb or the, the, in the, I call it the trail of clues. When you find that, um, that treasure trove or, you know, that, uh, one document that leads to so many others, it's like a spider web branching out, um, of sources as a researcher, it's, you know, it's almost like Christmas because, you know, uh, uh, people these days, you know, you have, Oh, you, you know, you go, you went down a, a YouTube hole or you got on Wikipedia and started clicking for me, it's reading a story and then seeing the sources from the author where they heard it from. And then, and then, you know, researching that and following that breadcrumb trail down and down and down it's, I mean, it's an absolutely amazing experience, and it's something for me as a lifelong reader and writer that I really, really, really appreciate. Kwame, um, I mentioned in passing that you have another series in the works. Is Do you enjoy writing a series, or would you consider, you know, doing a, a standalone book occasionally i think it all depends on the story that is trying to be told ah. um there's there are some worlds for example i i think there are four or five or six more stories that we could tell about tristan's realm about tristan's universe and and what happens in that world whether it involves tristan or another character but then there are some stories where you come to an end and you're satisfied. There's, you can't really explore it anymore. So I think it, the story really dictates what you're trying to tell and how long it'll be. Because the worst thing that can happen is you try and stretch it out, and you and and you know readers can tell when a story should have ended a little bit ago. In you know, and you can you can relate this to the Tristan trilogy or the new series that you're working on or anything else that, that you've done, where do the stories come from? How much of them are Kwame Mbalia and how much of them are um, things that were inspired by other writers or storytellers? Um, I mean, there's, there, uh, for me, especially when you're, when you're writing and, um, about you know folk tales or mythology, you're you're writing about other stories already, right? Like you're writing about sure. you know someone has has created uh, John Henry or Anansi, and we are you know merely you know taking those stories and um, adding our own characters to them. Um, and then in some cases, you know, we have those 
but there are other cases where we uh, we are creating characters, um, you know, from within our own minds, or we're creating ideas and stories from within our own minds. And those, for me, they come from questions and experiences. You know, what if questions? You know, what if uh, a boy discovered a realm where you know African American folktales existed, right? Or uh, what if there was this ancient empire that uh, resurfaced and you are one of the heirs to that empire? Um, they're, the story ideas for me, they don't stop. And In fact, it's, it could be a problem when you're writing a book and all of a sudden this brand new shiny story idea comes and you're like, oh, I don't have time, I've got to focus. Um, but, but the ideas, they come from anything. They come from uh, viewing a painting, maybe listening to a piece of music. You, you mentioned jazz earlier. Um, or it could come from, as you mentioned, reading another story and asking a question, well, what uh, does this person in this world think, and what would happen if this would have happened to them? I think being able to recognize a story idea is super important for writing because you never know when a really good one is going to hit you, and you don't want to throw away any ideas. You never want to throw away or, or uh, accidentally forget about that one idea that could have been the one that puts you on the grand stage. When you come up with a story idea, do you know right away if it's going to be a series or do you get through the first part and, and think to yourself, but wait, there's more? Yeah, I, I think it's the latter. I think it's... Because you kind of you kind of hinted at that because here all of the publicity and everything is saying that that this newest book uh, Tristan Strong keeps punching is the finale of a trilogy, but you mm-hmm. just you just said Kwame that you feel like there might still be three or four stories you know that could come out of that world. And and I just wonder, when you sit down to write a story, do you think, yeah, this is definitely part one? Or if you get sort of toward the end and go, yeah, this is a good place to stop, but there's a lot more story here. Yeah, I think, I think it's the latter. I think um, there are times where you'll finish the character's arc, um, finish their adventure, and you're like, you know, there's more here. I could write more. Um, I could see the more adventures happening because I have so many more questions about this world. But then I think there are other times when it's like, I enjoy knowing that the adventure is done. There's a possibility of more to come, but I'm satisfied. I, I'm really satisfied. And I think that what if question, you know, is, is what really dictates, you know, uh, uh, could this be a longer series, or should it just be a standalone? And the new series, um, are you expecting it to be a trilogy, as Tristan was, or do you think it will be more of an ongoing series? I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's with all the ideas and stuff that I would like to write, I'm thinking it would probably stay as a trilogy, and I, I want to talk about it so bad, there's certain things that, you know, <laughs> it's such a secretive industry. Um, but um, I, what I will say is that 
if you love the fantasy and the little bit of history and the exploration of our world in Tristan, then I think you'll really enjoy this new series. Well, that sounds, uh, that sounds amazing. And, and of course, um, you must love having that, uh, that title attached to your name now, New York times bestseller. You know what? It's, I, I, it's a complete honor and it's, incredibly fantastic but i love it when a parent sends me a picture of their child reading the book that's that's how i know i've made it that really that's the reminder right there well that's amazing you don't um do you have any uh any titles or character names from the new series that that you can share or is it still too soon even for that it's still a little too soon, but I can I can reveal something. I can uh, tell you something that just got released uh, on Friday as we announced that Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky will become a graphic novel next August. And oh, so really? we get to revisit the world uh, in a whole new fashion, and I'm really excited about that. What are the chances of uh, Tristan punching his way onto the bigger little screen? I wake up and end my day uh, hoping for that to happen. It's, <laughs> I, it's, it's, it would be a dream come true. Well, Kwame, it's always a pleasure talking with you, and it's it's great to have you back. And, and all I can say is uh, keep up the good work. Um, but I do, as you know, like to let uh, guests share with listeners where they can find out more about you and your work past present and future Kwame do you have a website absolutely you can head to com and find all my latest releases and my backlist and you can also engage with me on twitter at k-s-e-k-o-u-m where I probably spend way too much time well, I'm glad you were able to carve out some time to spend with me, Kwame. <laughs> keep up, uh, as I said, thank you, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Once again, that was uh, New York Times best-selling uh, and award-winning author, Kwame Mbalia. He is uh, the creator of the Tristan Strong trilogy, uh, which began with uh Tristan Strong uh, punches a hole in the sky, and and then uh, the second book was uh, Tristan Strong destroys the world. The third and uh, final book in that trilogy, Tristan Strong keeps punching, is uh, now available, and uh, appears uh, under the Rick Riordan presents imprint, which. Uh, is Rick Riordan's been on the show, and a lot of the uh, writers that that he gets behind and pushes have been on the show. Uh, Rick Riordan, of course, is the storyteller of the gods, but he um, has taken it upon himself to publish uh, entertaining books by authors from underrepresented cultures and backgrounds, and and it's uh, resulted in some some pretty fascinating stuff. Anyway. Um, we're going to uh, 
end it there, and I'll be uh, back with more of the Tom Sumner program. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor.
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour went from uh, being a television news reporter and weather forecaster to publishing more than 100 fiction and nonfiction books for young readers, including her involvement with a new book from Nat Geographic or National Geographic Kids, groundbreaking fiction series, The Explorer Academy. The newest installment is The Dragon's Blood, and her name is Trudy Truitt, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Trudy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Good to be here. Um, how do you go from being a television news reporter to writing books for young <laughs> readers? That's a good question. Well, you know, I, I um, used to travel around in my job as a weather forecaster in Spokane, Washington. I would travel to schools, and I would talk to kids about weather forecasting. That's part of the job. You tell them about meteorology, and we talk about weather, and, and they were just so curious and asked such great questions. And I thought, you know, I'd really like to write a weather book for kids. Um, and that's really how I got started. I wrote a weather series for Scholastic Books, and um, it was a library book. It was part of a library series. And then Scholastic just kept coming back to me and saying, do you want to write more books? I said, sure. <laughs> so I, I started doing earth, earth science books. I'm not going to turn that down. Um, so I did, you know, books on on um, volcanoes and rocks and gems and, you know, all the stuff that your kids would, if they wanted to do a report for school, would go to the library and check out. Um, and then over time, I started thinking about writing fiction, and uh, I got some of my fiction work published and started doing series for kids in that area, too. And I would go back and forth, really, between the two. I would write a fiction series, and I would do some nonfiction books, and fiction and nonfiction. Um, it was a good left-brain, right-brain kind of, kind of uh, <laughs> job. And so National Geographic was really, uh, you know, I didn't really know it at the time, but it was kind of the next step because when they came along, they said we, w- we were looking to do a series um, that is inspired by the real explorers of National Geographic, and, you know, but it's an adventure series. It was their first foray into fiction, too. They had never done it before. So it was a good opportunity for me to combine my passions and for them to kind of stretch a little bit and, and, and bring the, the realism of the explorers into uh, the fictional world. So that's really how the gig came about. And I've been, this is um, now the sixth book in the series. I've been writing this series now for five years, um, having a great time doing it. And it's, what are, what are, the, uh, what are the goals and the objectives? Why, why did Nat Geo kids take on doing fictional stories? They, you know, they're, they're so good yeah, at putting well, out fact They're based. so good at nonfiction, yes. Yeah. I think they really wanted to tap into that, um, that adventure market with kids and to, and, to, and to look at a different way of bringing the material to kids. They, they do incredible nonfiction books. Um, you know, they're all engaging, they're lively. They're, I mean, I get wrapped up in them as an adult. Um, and I think this was just a different way of bringing in readers who might not otherwise pick up a book. Kids are great about reading, but sometimes you need to kind of go in in a different, in a different way. You need to well, approach it in a different way. They're often good about reading what they want to read. Right. And, <laughs> and if you can find it, you know, if you can, 
if you can hit on a topic that a kid loves, they will read everything about that topic, right? So this is kind of a way to introduce them into different topics. You know, most kids like reading fiction, um, and they like reading about kids that are a little bit older than themselves or their age. So, you know, how do we engage them in, in a world where they could have all the things that they like in adventure, you know, excitement, cruises traveling the world, um, they're, you know, saving whales, they're helping other animals, they're doing underwater photography, um, and they're doing all of the things that real people do. And at the same time, they're learning about the world. They're learning about issues like climate change and species extinction and, and you know, what does that mean for our planet. And they're thinking about, um, you know, how, not only how can they participate, um, how can they make a difference, but maybe even thinking about what they might want to do when they, when they get older. So it was kind of a way to say let's give, give kids an adventure story um, with science and technology but wrapped up in some fun. How do you, um, when you're writing and, and putting these books together, uh, Trudy, how do, you, um, how do you blend the story arc with a curriculum? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's really key is that I don't have a curriculum. That's really key. So what I want to do is, first and foremost, I just want Cruz and his friends to have a really good adventure. So I say to myself, okay, as a kid, where, where would I want to go? And then I remember that, okay, but on the ship, they travel on a ship, they have a faculty. Now what does the faculty want them to learn? So the key really is to is to kind of blend those two things together. So, for example... If they're going to, let's say they're going to Egypt, they're going to be learning about, you know, Egyptology, the culture, the civilization, even the food. Now, what can I, how can I blend something into that that an explorer has done? And a good example of that is there's an explorer by the name of Sarah Parkak. She's an archaeologist. She's a National Geographic explorer. And what she's done is she's uh, actually kind of done something rather unique in that she has successfully located archaeological tombs and looting sites by looking at satellite imagery. So if you look at pictures from space, there are key signs that you can pick up to where there might be actual archaeological sites and tombs and underground pyramids. Um, You can see that from space. And I thought, well, now that's something the explorers could do, right? So I can blend that into a classroom experience where the explorers learn about, okay, what is what is looting mean? What is that? You know, how serious a problem is it? What about the smuggling operation of Egyptian and other artifacts into different countries? How big of a problem is that? So they start to learn about these things in a classroom setting without having to really hit them over the head. Is it a coincidence that this uh, sixth installment called The Dragon's Blood is coming out close to Halloween? <laughs> That is coincidence. <laughs> didn't really even think about. Didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, because the dragon's blood actually refers to um, uh, the stone cinnabar. So in the, in the book, Cruz and his friends head to China. They go to the Terracotta Museum, where all the the ancient. Um, that's the mausoleum of the first emperor of China, and in the in the mausoleum they have clay statues. You might have seen pictures of this. Um, that are buried, the statues are buried standing up, and there are thousands and thousands of them. 
all to pay tribute to the emperor. Um, he had it done during his lifetime so that his entire army theoretically could be with him in the afterlife. So the dragon's blood refers to cinnabar, which at that time was used um, for you know dishware and for stoneware, and it was even put in drinks and beverages. And people, it was called the elixir of life. And the emperor thought that if he drank this, it would um, prolong his life and he would be immortal. But the only problem with that is that cinnamar is actually mercury. It's very toxic. <laughs> and so you would not Oops. want to ingest it. It would probably shorten your life. And in fact, in this case, um, very likely did. So that's what the drag- dragon's blood refers to that stone. But that's, that's what Cruz and his friends learn. They learn about, you know, ancient... Chinese culture and civilization and the first emperor, and they go to the tomb, and they have to look for a cinnabar stone um, uh, as part of Cruz's mom's clue to find one of the pieces of her puzzle. But no, I think the timing of that was just because technically this book should have come out about, uh, I think about six months ago, but the pandemic sort of pushed everything everything forward a little bit. <laughs> That's funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I just know how clever National Geographic can be sometimes, and how <laughs> and and how fastidious the planning is for these various projects. And and it just kind that's of occurred true. to me that you know we've got this series going, we've got a book that's going to come out, you know, sometime in September or October. Let's let's uh, yeah yeah you know yeah. let's let's push one that has a Halloweenish title. <laughs> I, that's that's funny though. How much? Um, but getting back to all of that planning, how much freedom mm-hmm. do you have to explore through these explorers from the academy? Oh, um, you know, really carte blanche. I mean, uh, National Geographic has been great about that. Basically, saying to me, you know, create a story, uh, create create the adventure that you would want to take, that you would want to go on. So it's been, um, you know, I mean, really do they come, where the explorers go. Do they mm-hmm. come to you, Trudy, and say, you should do one in uh, in Asia or in China or in Russia no. or uh, the Middle East no. or whatever? Um, that's that's no, all, all completely up to, up to you. And do, do you totally have, is. Do you have to do a pitch and say, you know, I've got an idea for a story and it's like this and and make sure they're okay with it? Well, what I try to do is, you know, I tried to plan out this series initially. And I knew that I wanted the kids to go to all the continents, at least try to hit every continent. Sure. Um, And then it just became a question of, you know, where where did I want them to go and what adventure did I want them to take? And I didn't plan that out too far in advance because I kind of like the element of surprise when I research each book. But... But I knew, for example, that I, there were, I knew there were certain places that I wanted to get them to. Um, and so it was a question of, now, how can I fit this into the story? Uh, and sometimes it worked out, and sometimes it didn't, depending on where I left off at a particular book um, or where they were going. Just logistically, I couldn't get there. Uh, and I had more, I really had more uh, information than I knew what to do with. I mean, well, I yeah, how did you, for, you know, yeah, it how, was tough. I, how did you know about or decide on the uh, on the on the very lo- various locations so far by the weather? It was really tough. It was really tough. <laughs> um, well, part of it was logistically where could a ship, even in the future, um, even if a ship was fast, 
how fast and far could it go at a certain length of time? So that kind of helped me a little bit. So they started from Washington, D.C., and I knew in the first book I could get them to Iceland. <laughs> so, so they headed north, you know, and that's kind of what I did. I said, how far can I go for each book, and where should, I, where should they end up? So then that kind of narrowed it down to a region for me. And if you go to the National Geographic website, the main website, they have a big map, and on this map tells you where all the explorers are in the world. And you can click on little dots on the map and say, there's an explorer in Iceland doing research, and it'll tell you a little bit about what that explorer is doing. So that's where I started. I said, okay, I know I want them to go north. How far north can I get them first? And it ended up being Iceland um, in, in that general area. And I thought, well, you know, now it would be really interesting to have them go to the Svalbard Seed Vault where we, you know, seeds are stored from around the world in case there is an ever, uh, you know, a world shortage or a natural disaster. We have seeds stored in this vault from almost every nation on Earth. That's a perfect opportunity to explain that to the, to, to the kids and have them, and Cruz has to find a piece of his mom's formula in the seed vault. So I just sort of did it one step at a time, one continent at a time, after I was finished with Iceland. I said, okay, now where can we go from here? Okay, I think I can get them to the Mediterranean. You know, so let's go to Turkey. And, and I would just look for places that I thought were really interesting, that could give me a good setting, that an explorer had been there and done something interesting. So I kind of had, it, had you know, I checked off the boxes. And it was a, I was able to sort of narrow down each location and then find an interesting adventure for the kids in that location. But, it, but I have more, so much more information than I could ever possibly use because, you know, there are thousands of explorers working around the globe. Um, so we could be doing this series forever, really, and, and never probably tap into all of the great things that they're doing. Was that your expectation when you started this, or did you think you were in for a trilogy or maybe four or five books? I knew when we started we were going to do seven books. So they told me they wanted ah. seven, um, and I said, okay. So, you know, I thought, all right, so seven books, seven continents. Um, how can I, you know, how can I space it out so I can make sure I get them at least circumnavigating the globe um, by the end of their first year? So it's really a year in their life. And, and I think that the, the, probably the hardest thing was really to narrow it down and say, um, but it was just sort of, it sort of has to be like a perfect storm of everything coming together, um, the right location, uh, a good lesson for them, a good mission for them to do, something fun for them to do. And then, of course, it has to fit kind of into the adventure. Can the villain get there, too? And how can the villain get there, too? So you ask yourself a lot of these questions, and you start checking things off the list, and then you start narrowing down, um, you know, okay, this is where I know they need to go. So it sounds complicated, but it really isn't once you start getting into it. I could tell from book to book pretty much how far I could get them. The um, the book is or the books are fictional adventures with these uh, young people from a uh, uh, the Explorers Academy. Um, this the fact that it's fictional how how much of the stories how grounded in reality are they in other words they don't go hopping from adventure to adventure in a flying pod of some kind right yeah so that's a good question so my goal was i wanted to make them futuristic but i didn't want to make it implausible 
So there is a fine line you walk there. And what's interesting is that I wanted to give them technology to use. So, you know, like GPS sunglasses and, you know, little drones and, and other fun technology. And I thought, okay, I'm going to step it up a little bit and push the envelope and see what I can, you know, what I can come up with my, my imagination. So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. And I started doing research. And, you know, every time I would do research on something like that, I would find that what I thought was cutting edge or we weren't quite there yet, we were actually there. <laughs> For example, uh, I mean, it was almost frustrating because they're like, oh, we're already, MIT is already doing that. You know, um, I had um, Cruz's mom left him a journal, and the journal changed from a piece of paper into a, an origami shell. So it was shape-shifting. Okay, I thought, we, don't, we can't do that, right? Wrong. We can do that. Um, there's a, there's a, um, a materials lab at MIT where they are creating materials that do that very thing. So fabric that will change shape, texture, form, um, and you can make it into a coat. So if you go outside and it starts to rain, your coat will change. Um, so it's fascinating what, what technology is doing now. And as I started doing my research, I kept finding more and more of this. A good example, too, is Cruz has a little drone, a honeybee drone, that you know, flies around with him and occasionally gets him out of trouble. And I was like, well, I know we have small drones, right? But we don't have honeybee-sized drones, right? <laughs> we do have small honeybee-sized drones, um, and even smaller than, than that, that can actually, you know, like go into places where humans can't go and take pictures. And um, So every time I kept thinking that I was <laughs> imagining something, I would do research on it to see how far off I was, and f- sure enough, there's a lab and a scientist somewhere who is actually doing that very thing. So, yeah, to answer your question, there are some things there that are a little far-fetched that we probably can't do yet. Like, we can't talk to whales. Um, But we are understanding more about how they communicate with each other. We're we're beginning to understand their language. And and so the question is, you know, maybe in the future we can breach that language barrier and learn to speak with them in their language. Um, So, yeah, all of these things are, you know, I think, I think possibilities, and that's kind of what I wanted to bring to it. So kids do go to real places. They do see real things. Those things are grounded in total reality. The only thing that's really stretching it a bit is I'm trying to push the envelope of technology a little bit, but I don't know if these books continue to be around for 20 years from now. I might be out of date. (laughs) (laughs) Might, might have to update the books. Um, I might have to, new technology, because it, it, truly, it truly amazed and surprised me. And the great thing, too, is in the back of each book, there is a, uh, a section called Truth Behind the Science, um, uh, Truth Behind the Fiction. So oh, cool. So it's, it's a great, uh, yeah, there are profiles of different explorers doing exactly what we're talking about in the books. And so we explain, okay, this might not be actually happening yet, but here is a scientist that's working on it, and he's really close. So that was my, you know, my goal, was to kind of combine those elements of something that might not quite yet exist, and then my imagination to sort of take it to the next level. Um, and I think that's been really successful so kids can see that even though this is fiction, um, we're really not that far off from making this technology a reality. Now, these young adventurers in the book from the Explorer Academy, um, do they have a mission? What, what drives them 
to head on these adventures. Well, yeah, so, so really, so, you know, Cruz is on a mission to look for uh, the pieces of a formula that his mother left behind for him. So he's on a separate, he's kind of looking for uh, her, her pieces of the formula, and in each book he picks up a new piece or two, depending on the book. For the rest of the characters, they are there because they want to be future scientists. They want to be explorers. So it's a real opportunity for them to discover their passions, um, test their limits, really, develop relationships with each other in terms of cooperation. They have to learn to work as a team. Um, and sometimes there's going to be, in the, in the final book that's coming up here, I'll give you a little tease on it, there's going to be a, an element where they have to switch teams. And that's totally not anything any of us are comfortable, right? We get on a team, we're happy with the team, <laughs> we're all working together, right. and then all of a sudden somebody throws a wrench in the plan and says, oh, by the way, we're going to switch partners now. And so there's, there's that element of it, too, the human element of cooperation, learning to think on your feet, learning to deal with someone new, learning to deal with someone you don't care for. Um, and putting all of those elements together. So I hope that, that you know, the, the characters are three-dimensional characters and well-rounded and, and that, you know, readers see that they're excited to be there and excited to learn because each one of the characters has something different that they bring to the table. Um, you know, Cruz is, he's adventurous, but sometimes he doesn't think before he acts. He acts first and thinks later, uh, which is often a problem we all have. And... And then his best friend, Emmett, who is more cautious, and Emmett's a little afraid to take some chances, so he sometimes can be a little too safe. And then Cruz's other best friend, Lonnie, who is, who is she's an inventor, and she um, is uh, pretty, pretty like fierce and, and strong. And uh, then there's his other teammate, Sailor, and uh, she is um, from New Zealand. And so she's very, um, you know, passionate about things. She's kind of cruises conscience. She said, "Do you really sure you really want to do this? Do you really want to go this direction?" So each one of the kids, each one of the major characters, sort of brings something to the table. And I hope that kids can relate to them and maybe even find themselves in one of the characters as they go along in the adventure. Because it's it's a long adventure. It's six, seven books total. And I want to keep them interested and excited um, from book to book. What comes up after book seven? Well, that's a good question. Um, for me, I would love to do more series work, and I'm kind of looking into that. Um, I'd like to—I always like to take on new challenges. So I've been thinking about doing uh, a graphic novel, which would be kind of interesting. Again, oh, including sort of the fun and science element. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I really enjoy being able to pair fiction and nonfiction together in kind of that way, and being able to pull in the nonfiction elements. Um, into into a fictional story, it just makes sense to me because I think that I think that a good adventure story, a good mystery, uh, which is what I love to write, um, should not only entertain but inform as well and, and kind of push a reader forward. So, and I really enjoy writing. It's a great challenge for me, and that's the key too. As a writer, you don't want to ever um, sort of get stuck in a in a in the same place. I'm always looking for something new and different. Um, that I haven't done before, or that takes me in a different a direction or extension of what I've of what I've done before. So that's what I'll be looking to do. More about the adventures of the Explorers Academy from National Geographic Kids and author Trudy Truitt. Straight ahead. <music> ¶¶ 
Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Sumner Show Oh yeah Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now And now, and now too, and even now Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, You should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Bye from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. 
American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about the adventures of the Explorers Academy from National Geographic Kids and author Trudy Truitt, straight ahead. There's an interactive component to this, too, isn't there? A virtual Explorers Academy camp? Well, there was this summer. Um, It's not currently running now, but it was a good opportunity, especially during the pandemic, to kind of Ah, reach out to to, to, to kids. So uh, over the past summer, kids were able to jump online and and watch videos uh, from some of the different explorers and do interactive things. Um, I think it was a really good opportunity to kind of reach out, especially after all, you know, kids have been kind of stuck at home. school year last year was sort of crazy for for everybody so it's kind of nice to be able to offer that and to and to you know give kids a, a um, an extension of uh, of the books a bit well this is um this is really fun stuff and and i don't think it's the first i i'm not sure if it's if you've been on the show before but i remember being aware of this explorers academy mm-hmm. Uh, series, and I think maybe we have talked before, but the new book is The yeah. Dragon's Blood, and uh, it's the sixth book in the um, Explorer Academy series from National Geographic Kids, written by my, my guest Trudy Truitt. Um, Trudy, I always like to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know how they can find out more about what we've been talking about, the book, the series. Um, what's the best resource to explore with the explorers? Is it the uh, the website? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exploreracademy.com has a lot of resources for you know, uh, readers um, and teachers even. We have reader's guides, a teacher's guides on the website. There's there's a code-breaking game and some puzzles. There's a character personality quiz kids can take. And then there's more about the um, truth behind the, the fiction series. So they can watch videos, from very short videos, from some of the different explorers. They can learn about the technology, actual technology behind that inspired me to create the things that we, that we used in the book. So that's a great resource, exploreacademy.com. And then you can always go to my website, which is trudytruitt.com, T-R-U-D-I, T-R-U-E-I-T, and you can learn more about the books. We have a book trailer there that you can watch. 
Uh, we even did a five-minute cartoon, animated cartoon short that's really great. It kind of brings the characters <laughs> to life. Watch that. That's, that's, that's my, that was my favorite thing to watch because it is interesting to see your characters come to life and other people voice them. Uh, very unique. So lots of stuff to do at my website as well. Well, Trudy, thanks so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. I really appreciate it, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Again, that's Trudy Truitt. She is the uh, author of um, the books in the uh, Explorer Academy series, the newest one, uh, book six in the series, The Dragon's Blood, is uh, out now. And... um, We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Open your eyes, look up to the skies, and see. I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy. Cause I'm easy come, easy go, little high, little low, any way the wind blows, doesn't really matter to me, to me. Mama, just kill a man. Put a gun against his head Pulled my trigger Now he's dead Mama Life had just begun But now I've gone and thrown it all away Mama Didn't mean to make you cry I'm not back again this time tomorrow Carry on, carry on As if nothing really matters Too late My time has come Sends shivers down my spine Body's aching all the time Goodbye everybody I've got to go Gotta leave you all behind And face the truth Mama I don't want to die I sometimes wish I'd never been born at all.
see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening me. Galileo, 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 Figaro. I'm just a poor boy, nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family. He's very Mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me, for me, for me. So you think you can stone me and spit in my eyes? Nothing really matters. Nothing really matters to me. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program with an encore with William Shatner and the Schlocktober pick of the day. Um, actually had several this week in honor of uh, the, the actor who played Captain James T. Kirk on the Starship Enterprise is going to space for real next week. We may hear him once or twice more in the uh, Schlocktober pick of the day. Thanks for tuning in. I can't believe how fast this went by. Thanks to Trudy Truett from National Geo Kids and uh, Kwame Mbalia, uh, Tina Zion, and uh, who else did we have? Alex Tom Packer. See you Monday. Good night, everybody. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. 
Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.